Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to episode 361 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Stuart Lynch in North Vancouver, British Columbia. Nice to be here. Nice to have you with us. So, um, yeah, I've been following some of your videos online and and, uh, enjoying some of them. I really enjoyed that. Like, as as you heard on the show, I really liked the the one about trailing closures. Um, You know, like it's one of those swift concepts that that I I understand. But, you know, I think think until you dove into it really deeply, um, it didn't really make a lot of sense to me, right? Like, like, because you see, I see people like, you know, they, they... like either Xcode will will you know shorthand it, or people will just dive right in, except expecting people to understand the the nuances of it. So I found it really the way you expounded on the various pits and pieces was really informative for me. Anyway, well, I didn't understand it either until I <laughs> until I did. And actually, I'm I'm working through a whole bunch of videos right now that are really just like that. I mean, and there's there's a whole a handful of things that you know, I use it all the time, but do I really understand what they are? So I'm trying to dig a little deeper on those kinds of things. Most recent one was key paths. So yeah, key paths. That's a tricky one too. You're right. Um, I mean, like that's the C I was going to say, that's kind of a secret thing, secret sauce part of when all of the, all the authors at Ray Wonder, like I've talked to about, you know, Kodako now, I guess, but I've talked to them over the years and a lot, in a lot of cases, you know, we have a, an understanding of a subject or we're interested in it. And we really don't become the experts until we actually write the book or, or write the video. And then we, you know, then, then it's kind of burned in, but yeah, it's, it's interesting how these, t- it takes a while to sort of like, get your head wrapped in. I'm curious, like, um, cause I'm, I'm not, I'm self-taught and I think you are too, right? Mm. Uh, yeah. Or, or did you do a computer science in school though? Or? No, no, I, I predated computer science even. So I took a couple of, uh, punch card courses at the, University when I was getting my math degree, but I wouldn't, you know, when I was teaching computer science, I was uh, 
teaching far more sophisticated things than I ever thought I ever learned, you know, so. Yeah, well, actually, my sister did uh, computer science. She was the first one in our family to do it. And um, I didn't go down that path. And my other two sisters didn't go down that path either. My dad was an engineer. So, you know, we always sort of had math and science in the house kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, and it's, I mean... It's funny because I, you know, I was sort of a, in high school, I was kind of a C student, you know, I didn't, I, I could put the, I, if I put the effort in, I would have got A's and B's, but I, I just, right. you know, couldn't, I was too busy living life, right? And, you sound uh, like my son. Yeah. So, but I, but the, I think the next level up in terms of the math class, they did all the punch card stuff and I just kind of saw them walking by with these shoe boxes full of punch cards and had no idea yeah. how far they were going. And it wasn't until I got into university that I was in a music course and I saw an Apple computer, Apple II in the corner. Nobody was using it because nobody understood it. And, uh, and that was my first sort of exposure to to a, a computer that I could probably get my hands on. And then I think I saw Simclavier too. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those things. Or it's all computerized synthesizer sampler. Oh, I mean, yeah. Stevie Wonder used to have one, and Frank Zappa had one. That's how you know sophisticated they were. Um, but yeah, I never really got into computing until I got out into the working world and and I was working as an artist and. We were looking at CAD CAM. I remember CAD CAM was the big buzzword back mm -hmm. in the late night, early nineties, I guess, late eighties. And, uh, so that's when I got into, I got my first Mac. Right. And, and never looked back. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I predated any of those kinds of, of things. It wasn't until I started teaching that, um, the apples came out mm -hmm. and what was, what year was that? 19. Well, 77 was Apple. It was the Apple thing. And then I think, the Mac, like the Mac came out the year I graduated, which was 84, but so okay. it would have been, yeah. it would have been Apple twos, maybe Apple was pretty big in education back then. It was two pluses at the, at the time. And then, uh, what they, they, what they did was they dropped a number in, in, in schools to say, you know, are these things useful? And, um, I picked one up and they had, um, basic Applesoft basic was built right into them. So, and then you had these five and a quarter inch floppy disks that you could, uh, code on. So I started writing some, some programs there because I was teaching math at the time and uh, teaching graphing concepts. So, you know, you could plot pixels on the screen and, and make some adjustments to some quadratic formulas and plot different graphs. And you got this big TV screen that you'd wheel into the classroom and yeah. try and, you know, or do a flashcard kind of game or something like that. But yeah. Was that like high school math you were doing? Yeah. Yeah. Sen senior math. Yeah. Anyway, where'd you go from there? Like, how did you go from teaching into programming into like, like me, where you get, did you get into the HTML and web and all that kind of stuff? As no, because that I was way before HTML too, because that didn't, you know, what happened was that, um, as computers started to get more and more into schools, nobody really knew what to do with them. So they created a position at the, the district level for someone who could figure out how to, what to do with these kinds of things. So I was um, seconded to the, the school district to sort of go around. And at that point, there was a number of uh, Commodore PET labs, Commodore 64 labs around, and yeah, people just weren't utilizing or making good use of them. But just at that time, there must have been this huge influx of money coming into school districts. I don't remember what the politics were. So we ended up getting a ton of money enough to be able to afford to purchase a computer lab for every school. And the decision was to be, was to go to the new Mac and you know, with their Mac 512s, each one with a little three and a quarter inch disc. So they, so I ended up having to teach the entire district on how to use a Mac computer in the, 
the strangest thing was the mouse, you know, and teaching people that, that they could actually lift the mouse up to move their hand because you get these people that are reaching, you know, stretching their arm to move that mouse on the screen. So that whole hand-eye coordination thing was a huge thing to, to edge because I was teaching educators at this point. I wasn't teaching the students. The teachers had to know how to use them, right? Ah, so. right. Okay. Yeah. That was at the board level. It wasn't, you weren't actually in a school. You were teaching other teachers. Yeah. Well, I was, I was teaching computer science on Apple twos at the school because I'd gone from math into computer science. You know, you developed your own curriculum and sort of taught whatever you felt like, basically. Right. Still predated any web. There was no internet at this point. And then, so I went to the district level and spent two years in that position. And then they, I ended up going in and spending three years as a high school vice principal, the worst three <laughs> years of my entire life. It's, it was just awful. And, but during that time, any district support sort of fell away. So here they had all these computers sitting there, not doing anything. So they created a senior position at the district level as a director. And so I went from my vice principal's position into a director's position where I had more authority over other staff to, to do things. And I spent, um, I don't know how many years, about eight years, no, four, four years at that position before I moved to the Richmond School District and spent 12 years there. And that was a really good position because then I had, uh, I was uh, in a senior staff position, so I had control over purchases and applications for both education and the business side of things. And they were mm -hmm. an entire MAC district. So everything just sort of fit right in. And, uh, you know, just that's, that's how I sort of got involved in things. But, you know, I hate meetings. And I hate sort of doing that kind of thing. So um, I always had to have a project that I could code and build applications that could help other people to, to do their jobs better. So I was forever writing little helper applications, you know, just doing different things in different languages. There were some, so there were some PCs around as well. So some of the secondary offices were running still on, on Windows. So I had to write some apps and Visual Basic or something at that point too, but so this is in yeah. the Lower Mainland kind of area, like I, and this Richmond. is uh, Richmond, BC. Yeah, so this would have been, I guess, like the mid eighties, early eighties. No, no, right? this was now nineteen ninety five. So between about nineteen eighty eighty five to ninety five, I was in North Van doing computer based stuff and vice principal stuff, right. and then I moved into Richmond, spent twelve years there. And then I took an early retirement and went and worked for a company. It was based out of Toronto in IT. So, but uh, yeah, that was an interesting story because we had, uh, I remember when I was working for the North Van school district, email started to be a, a thing where people were saying, you know, this, how are we going to communicate? And um, I remember the superintendent coming into my office one day and saying, how far away are we from email? And that just opened up sort of the pocketbooks so I started to do some research on trying to find a product that would be easy to use because at that point, all email was command line driven and not very friendly. And our users were all Mac-based users. And so I found a company out of Toronto that was called Softark that uh, had a product called First Class that was big on the BBS systems. I, re I remember them, yeah. Okay, so they, uh, we, I ended up purchasing that for the school district and uh, the, the product grew and grew, and it was, a, it was a really, really good email collaboration client because it had a really good sort of conferencing kind of system, sort of like a Slack-based thing. It was Slack in a sense. Like yeah, but I, I, you know, I, think it was, I think it was way better. But anyway, so they, and then when uh, I moved to Richmond, I took that with me basically and said, look, we're going to have to implement this. They were using QuickMail, hmm. and, and, and just it wasn't scaling. And at this point, the internet had sort of come on board, so there was a 
you know, IP base, you could, you know, throw your server on the, because my first server was a, a Mac 2 SE with a 20 megabyte hard drive <laughs> with, tw with 12 modems hanging off it. Wow. So yeah. it was, yeah. But how many people were you serving with that? Oh, it, I was serving the whole school district. And what we did was, uh, is I found another piece of software that allowed users to share over an Apple Talk network, a single phone line. So they tapped into the office's fax line so that people could actually dial in. And of course, they could dial in from home. Everybody had a modem at that point, so they could all dial in. But it was still only 12 people at a time. But at the board office, we were on, a, on an Ethernet network, so we could all sort of communicate back and forth. But anyway, eventually it, it grew and it grew. And um, they had an um, uh, application development environment called RAD, the Rapid Application Development Environment. It was kind of a visual basic kind of environment that you could build applications on top of it. So I could build applications that would allow me to query the SQL databases in the in the district and provide users with access to you know corporate information through you know password uh, permissions and so on. So I built all these applications and and then um, they had a, a web-based component as well. So I built a tool that allowed people to build and host websites just through putting information on the form. Start to sell that uh, through the school district and the company, SoftArt First Class, they sort of took notice, and then they ended up um, uh, getting paying the school district for my time for one day a week, and they'd fly me around um, the United States mostly, because this was before any Zoom and things like that, and I'd do presentations and talks to people, and eventually they made an offer that I couldn't refuse, and, and I ended up going and working for them. At this point, they are now uh, owned by OpenText. It's another big um, software company, and so I went and worked for them for seven years until uh, OpenTech sort of, they chew comp smaller companies up and then take the people they want and spit them out, you know. So, you know, I ended up losing my job at that point. And uh, that's when I started uh, iOS development. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So that, so that took you right into like the, I wonder what, 2007, right? No, 2014. 2014. That's when you started iOS. Yeah, as oh, soon cool. as Swift was released. Oh, so you didn't do you didn't suffer through Objective C or anything like that? Like that? No, I uh, you know I I dabbled in Objective C and I thought nah, this this is just way too confusing for me because well I mean I had no background and uh, just those square brackets and 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 everything else were just I, I didn't spend the time in it. Whereas when I was working for OpenText, I was doing a lot of JavaScript development for their the web based component too. So that whole syntax was very, very familiar with me and comfortable. You know, Swift is very similar to that. Yeah. Uh, so I just jumped into that and started to, to build apps and, you know, sort of 
built a whole bunch of apps that I put on the app store and then realized I have to start to uh, support those older versions. And so now I, I don't build apps much for myself anymore. Now I basically just do the YouTube thing because I find that more interesting, more rewarding. So did you, so the indie, the indie app work that you did, like, was that, was that, were you making any money off of those apps or just, you were just no. putting up there for fun? Yeah, mostly it was for learning. Because like, every, I have, I think I've, 10 or 12 apps on the app store, which three of them are making a little bit of money. Nothing that I could... Uh, like pizza money? Uh, yeah, 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 essentially. Same with um, me. <laughs> and, and they all sort of scratch niche for me, right? They're, these are things that I wanted. There may have been something on the app store, um, and I could have paid my $4 for them, but there was always something missing in those apps that I wanted to do. So I would build an app and add what I wanted to be able to do. And, and, and so... Um, yeah, I just built those and of, of those 10 or 12 apps, I use three of them still regularly. And, um, uh, you know, there, and I'm, I've updated uh, one of them right now, completely tore it down and rebuilt it in Swift UI because they were all UI kit apps. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, it was fun, you know, because every, everyone used a different API and, and you learn through, through coding. You don't learn through watching, you learn, learn from doing right. Right, exactly. So and so the so the YouTube channel was started up as as the you were doing the teaching before. That's how you ended up in with the YouTube idea, or well, I had because um, I know you have some other you had some pre pre iOS stuff on your YouTube channel as well, right? Yeah, that was all with first class. So those oh, were so oh, I had okay. yeah, that was all first class stuff. And um, they there was a a open text first class YouTube channel eventually. So I first started putting all that stuff on my own YouTube channel. And then OpenText created their own channel. So I did all, I did a few hundred videos for them. And uh, so I was the voice of, of their, their videos for first class. So I, I knew what that was all about. But when I started learning um, coding and, or Swift development, I don't think I did a very good job of learning. And I took one of those courses where, you know, you, you learn how to be an iOS developer and in three weeks, you know, when you build 12 <laughs> apps, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and sort of the, the typical kind of, of, of stuff where it's not very, it's not best practices at all. It's basically turn out an app, but you don't really know what you're doing. You're, you're just copying things. And in fact, the way that I would learn or build my apps was let me do a stack overflow uh, search, find out somebody who's done something similar, copy that code and then paste it into my app and massage it and paste it into um, my app and, and, and try to get it to work. Well, you, that's not sustainable, right? Because you don't understand what you're doing. I, I actually taught a course, like a, just a, like a three or four day introduction course back in the early days, just getting people, we would build a calculator, you know, like yeah. by lunch, I get you to, to build, you know, the typical, uh, my hello, and then my name is, and then hit okay. And then it would reply, hey, you know, Stuart, how are you? kind of thing um and then we build a calculator and so i think at one point we had built a flappy bird app kind of thing and that was just to get people who a lot, a lot of the courses i taught were like corporate um companies would send people in in fact i taught at td bank you know years before i before i uh actually uh worked there but um yeah same sort of thing like like and i did teach at a boot at a boot camp once and, and i didn't last very long because i didn't like the philosophy of they give you the assignment and then they say go 
read waywardlike.com or go over here and just you put it together i mean they they did a lecture during the morning and kind of explained you know what was going on in concepts they wanted you to learn but yeah it was all up to the students and i just thought that was crazy but plus plus you know now that i know you know I, I, you may have heard or if you've listened to our show i i wrote an article on how to keep learning after 50 right which you, you know you and i both can relate to and a friend of mine turned me on to neuroplasticity and i learned that that's not the way to learn you can't learn so you can't learn a new skill by just cramming for three weeks. You know, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah, exactly. It, it's definitely through experiencing things in multiple, multiple different ways. At least that's the way I see it. But um, because when I was learning, I was, I, I end up talking out loud when I'm watching videos of other people and uh, asking questions. And in fact, you know, I start to, as a, I'm not, a, you know, being older, I'm not afraid to ask questions. So I would, if people have videos, I would start to ask questions as to why did you do it this way? Why did you do it that way? And sometimes you can answer, sometimes you don't. And sometimes people take offense as if I'm challenging them. When in fact, what I'm really doing is I'm just trying to confirm whether or not I understand something. Right. And yeah. so, um, and then, and then, you know, you, you, you worked for the Ray Wenderlich and did their material and I, and I subscribed to them and have been a subscriber for a long time. But I also found that their material was too advanced for me at the time because oh, right. they would provide um, code for a particular topic, but all that background code was really quite sophisticated for somebody who was just learning. And so... You know, or they would they would start out really slow, and all of a sudden they'd jump right into something that was really sophisticated. And so you know, back and forth. So I got bits and pieces of of what I wanted out of that, but it wasn't it wasn't sort of a a linear approach. So um, I'll tell you what I don't like about what I don't like about Ray like that approach. I mean, no, no offense. I mean, it's, and it's not Ray. It's Codeco. It's it's not Ray. Doesn't do the actual teaching, but. Um, is whenever I, cause I have access to all the material and every now and then I grab one of their tutorials and go through it. What I don't like about it as, as a student is that, you know, they'll start you off with an application that's, that's pretty well baked, you know, and then they'll, they'll, cause they're trying to teach you a, a concept like map kit or, or whatever it is, the, the you know, idea of the day. Um, I'd much rather start from nothing. I'd rather start from scratch and go through each sort of step. Even, even like I take beginner courses all the time because I just, I want to get an understanding of where, where they're coming from in terms of where they wanted to go, like where the, where the course is going. And, um, so yeah, I don't like it when, you know, somebody, I, I read a book or whatever, and it says, go to the GitHub and download this half-baked app because I'm not learning anything. I may, I may be learning the, the bits and pieces that are after the fact, you know, like even, like even the concept of, of what we were talking about earlier was, was your trailing closure course, right? Um, you didn't tell me to start from the middle and and then explain to me what trailing code you started from the very beginning with an empty playground, which, you know, to me as a student, that's a much better, I think a much better way to go. In fact, the, the one or two uh, courses that I did for Ray start with, you know, open up uh, an empty app and an empty, empty project and start here and do this. Right. I, I, I agree. You know, that it's sometimes that I do have starter projects, but I always sort of go through the code to explain that code and, and I'll get criticized. I mean, I've had comments like just shut up already and get to the point. <laughs> yeah. And it just goes to show you that there's well, maybe, maybe you put a chapter marking and say, if you, you can skip ahead to, ch to chapter two or chapter. Yeah. Three. And, and I've done that a couple of times, actually, you know, so just jump to here. I do put chapter yeah. markers in the you know, introduction and then people can jump. Sure. Through. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, you know, and and I get asked often to, um, you know, would I put together a full course, like a Udemy course on, on, uh, on learning how to code? Problem is that with that is that I would never sort of get to something because I'd always want to stretch something out. And and in the end, you know, if it was some simple simple application that somebody could build in in a very short period of time, it would take me a long time because I want to sort of here's a concept. So how, how does that concept work? So let's go back and, and sort of drill down. And and I do that now, but fortunately, because I've got a number of videos already out there, if I'm teaching something, what I can say is like, if you want more information on this, here's this video where I covered this particular topic in more depth. So like that trailing closure one, if I'm doing something and I sort of glance over it, I'll say, look, if you don't quite understand what I did, you can now go back and watch that video. So that's the advantage of sort of building up a, a library of these kinds of things, which are great for me too, because uh, <laughs> I, I go back. Oh, for example, today I was, I, I always forget the syntax for the new iOS 15, 15 alerts in SwiftUI because it changed. So I had to put an alert in this app that I'm modifying right now. And I couldn't remember, God, what is the syntax for that? So I just go down and pick up my old, uh, application or the the actual project that i created for that video and there's the code and you know i can pick it up and, and use that code but yeah i'm constantly going back to my old stuff because i don't use this stuff everything every day right so you know. yeah well when when we started um uh our app built our, our app company um i had a couple of I had an intern working for me and i would say to him okay i want to do this but i'm sure somebody I wasn't really aware that they hadn't, but I'm sure somebody out there has at least tried this. And there were a lot of sites, you know, when Ray was first starting up his site, there was a lot of sites. Ray was good for um, bits and pieces, but there were like these these cookbook sites. Like I forget what they're called them, but you know, like they'd have like little snippets of how to do this kind of thing, or you know, like a little animation or something. This was Objective C, of course, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Rather than, you know, spending the time, like, you know, the old story, you don't want to reinvent the wheel, right? You know, if somebody's already done it, like you said, with Stack Overflow, um, now we've got chat GPT, we can ask, right? <laughs> you know, just uh, write this up for me and, and um, you know, and and tweak it kind of thing. We know the prompt programming that chat GPT uses, but that's how we kind of built it together. We had one senior guy who did all the heavy lifting of the main architect of the app, but then myself and, and my intern would go through and just sort of pick and choose bits and pieces and kind of learn as we went same sort of same sort of yeah. deal right well i mean and i i do that i mean i just i i use chat gpt every day in fact that's how i really started to understand um key pass which my most the latest video that i'm doing right now is that um i asked it for some examples it says you know show me why i would use or give me a couple of examples of why i would use um key pass so it gave me some examples and then, and I says, well, and, and I'm having this conversation with him. I says, that's not really a clear example because <laughs> you could do this. And he goes, yes, you're exactly right. Here's another example. And then I would go through it and I says, well, no, that's not a clear example either because there's no benefit there. Yes, you're right. In this case, it's probably not a good example. So I says, well, can you give me an example that would be really clear? And it gave me this example that just set this light bulb off for me, yeah, yeah. you know, realizing that key pass or types that could be passed into functions. I mean, bingo, now we have a reason why key pass are really important. And, uh, and, and I love that when, when I, when I get that sort of a light bulb moment where, where things open up and, uh, and, uh, and, and so now the, the key is how do I turn that around and explain that to somebody else in a sequential 
matter without sort of jumping in at the middle? How do I start back at the beginning? And that's why half my videos take, you know, half hour or more because I don't want to, I want to sort of build, build up to it. Right. So there's a progression. Yeah. I mean, like, I, 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 I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I'd watched a few of your videos in the past, but yeah, it wasn't like for me, the light bulb moment was, there was a trailing closure one. Not so much that I, I mean, and to be honest with you, you know, I, I, the best part for me wasn't so much, uh, that I needed to learn how to do trailing closures or whatever. It's that, no. so that I could understand when I see a trailing closure being used, I know what, stage of that there of that you know abstraction they're at right um you know i remember like like you know because some, sometimes i'll go into a new code base and i'll look around and and it's so abstracted like you're like what am i looking at what is happening here and it, and then you have to sort of you, you mark and i were talking about this on the on the show the other day we both kind of go backwards through the code and follow the callers and look at you know right. look at the definitions and, and you know go, go down these little almost like little rabbit holes to sort of find out how did you get to this this level here right so because i mean the whole you know that that um you know that um, i'm just going to probably butcher this but yeah the you know the, you get the parenthesis and then the arrow and then the parenthesis to me that means nothing <laughs> you know uh, but you know having having gone through the, the exercise with you it, it actually made a lot more sense but because because you know um that's because i think for a lot of people they would probably stop before they get to that kind of that kind of abstraction you know they would kind of because at the end of the day like i'm i'm from the 80 20 school of thought where you don't need to have it 100 percent perfect right you can mm -hmm. if it's at 80 percent and it does it, it does the thing you need it to do ship it like it's it's ready to go move on to the next thing kind of thing right so i think that's a difficult difficult thing to learn i've worked with tons of people creatives and, and engineers who will just keep building and building and building and never actually get something out the door kind of thing right yeah yeah well yeah i mean i'm, I'm at the point now where i mean because when, when you're doing something or teaching something on YouTube, you're, you're basically opening yourself up for criticism. So you better, I, I have to feel like I have to know what I'm talking about. Um, and I mean, there's a danger there because people then assume that you know everything when in fact <laughs> you don't, right. Yeah. You know what you're talking about. Don't, and don't, don't just a lot of people figure it out. <laughs> well, I've, I've mentioned that to other people. I says, you know, cause they'll, people will say, you know, that they'll, I, I mentor a number of people right now and and I'll get other people saying, can you help me with this? And I said, I haven't got a clue what that stuff's about. I've just never touched it. Uh, it doesn't interest me like Sprite Kit. I'm not interested in that. I couldn't help anybody in that, those kinds of things. Yeah. But um, but when I'm teaching, I, I write a script. And so you, yeah. you'll never see me talking and coding at the same time. I just can't do that. So yeah. um, I'll write a loose script first. I'll record the video. Mm -hmm. Then I'll go back and write a detailed script that I will record in audio. Then I'll put the audio together with the video. And I'll have to make sure that I, I always confuse braces and brackets and parentheses. Mm -hmm. So I've got this little text snippet that I have in front of me with pictures of, of this, is a, this is a bracket, this is a brace, so that when I'm writing the script, I, I make sure that I use the right word. Sure, yeah. you know, and, and because people will correct you on that, you know, especially, you know, I said depreciated. I don't know how many times instead of deprecated, you know, and people are really <laughs> quick to jump on that one. I, you know, I, or, I host a podcast. I'm nine, eight and a half years in and, and I, I use the wrong word all the time. I'm constantly getting corrected by my co-hosts. <laughs> the most recent was when, when I did a video on, uh, on the new, uh, I call them the, the new detente. That mm. is the the detents 
you know, I, they look like detente to me. I called them yeah, detente yeah. in the video yeah. and got corrected on that one. But uh, so people are, are good to criticize you when you when you make mistakes. But uh, you, you know, I you know I I worry about that. I, I have a real thin skin, right? I mean, you always remember the the critical comments. You never remember the good ones, but uh, the critical ones really dig deep, right? Yeah, I mean that, that that is obviously a danger too. I think about that every time I write a tweet. You know, like like I'm I'm not on Twitter to cause grief. I'm on Twitter to inform people. Like I, if I find something that's useful, like your stuff, I'll retweet it, or Daniel's stuff, I'll retweet that. You know, kind of thing. Sometimes I'll add my own my own two cents to it. Um, but yeah, I'm always like, whenever I write a new tweet, even if it's just a joke or or whatever, I'm always concerned that somebody's gonna bark back at me. I've never, luckily, I've only I've only ever been. Um, no, that I know of, I've only ever been blocked once, you know, yeah. and it wasn't, and yeah. I was trying to be helpful. I wasn't trying to be critical yeah. or whatever, but I, it's unfortunate, but the, um, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult in a public forum to sort of put your stuff out there. Like, you know, even when I was teaching, like I was always afraid that somebody was going to ask me why something. And, and like you said, like the same thing, I, even when I was teaching, I had like a typewritten, a printed out step-by-step kind of thing. And, um, yeah. You know, I was going through teaching people how to do stuff, and and it was the same deal. It was exactly like exactly like you just described, hundred yeah. percent. Like you, you yeah. have it written out, and and you you rehearse it, and you then you present it, and you know, hopefully you get it right, right? So I'm I'm amazed at people like Paul Hudson who can just do it on the off the cuff, like yeah. Probably... There's a few guys that are like that. There, yeah, I'm amazed by them. I got burned one once really bad a couple of years back, and I and I spent so much time trying to apologize because I thought that I was not understood. It was um, somebody on, on um, YouTube or YouTube or, or if it was Twitter or whatever had talked about them, them being self-taught. And, and I tweeted innocently, you know, I prefer to use the term self-directed because I believe ah. that we are directed by learning from others because what does self-taught actually mean? You know, you've got to be really smart to be self-taught. True, and people took that as a, that I was criticizing this person for saying that they were self-taught. Oh, yeah. And I said, no, no, it's just a, another phrase. I don't. You, I never use the word that I'm self-taught. I always say I'm self-directed because I've learned from everybody else, right? And um, so, hey, it's just semantics. But boy, did I get ripped for that, and you know, I lost sleep over that, right? And, you know, no ill intention. Yeah, it's funny. Well, it. it... <laughs> It remind, it, I always joke because it reminds me of high school because exactly the same thing. Like I lose sleep over things I say or in meetings at work and and exchanges I have online and stuff like that. Yeah, it's 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 a worrying thing. But I think that's that just means we're human, right? You know. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, like like even like uh, you know even babies babies learn to talk learn to speak by listening to the noises that their parents make and then trying to imitate those noises to the point where they can say, can I have some more milk? And their mother's mind explodes because right. <laughs> they're able to communicate. Uh, it's funny, like, you know, one, one of my, uh, my uh, nieces taught her daughter to sign, you know, so she could say, I want more milk or I want, you know, I need to go, oh, yeah. to go outside before she could actually form the words, which was kind of amazing yeah. thing about the way the brain works, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Well, my dog, he, he, my dog nose bumps. <laughs> so he knows nose when bumps? it's time to go out. Yeah, oh, he yeah? comes up and bumps me with his nose. And, he, you know, he knows yeah. what time it is, right? 
Yeah, my dog, I swear, we we're, we listen to CBC all the time, right? So we're, he gets fed at six o'clock. So I think the the cue of that, you know, the theme music from the news show is is what sets him off. But you're right. But he comes, he starts around 4.30 and comes, starts yeah. looking and, you know, wagging his tail and hoping to get fed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're smart. Um, I don't know what else. I, oh, yeah. So, so I do want to ask you, like... A couple of articles you wrote. One is like, can I call myself a software developer? Can can you explain right. a bit of the context behind that one? Yeah, it, the whole imposter inferiority complex. You know, I felt like I I was probably 10, 20 years too soon for what I really wanted to do. I mean, this is this is the kind of thing that I've always wanted to do. I've always loved coding. Mm-hmm. I love teaching, but I always wanted to to code. And never feeling like I was good enough that everybody was always smarter than me. People, you know, amazed at the, the developers at in, in at OpenText that that would put together these products. And um, so, you know, at what point can you call yourself a software developer? Everybody's got their own opinion. So that that's what that post was all about. You know, okay, here I am. I've got ten or twelve apps on the App Store. Um, can I call myself a software developer now? Because that's really when I grow up is what I want to be kind of thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. When's that going to be? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, that's so that, that was the, the whole thing behind that one. I hear people a lot of times will want to know, okay, so they want to know exactly what are the five steps that you go through or what's the checklist to say, okay, now, you know, Stuart, you're a software developer to me, yeah. like you're in the same way. I think I had 30 apps on the app store um, that I was, wasn't necessarily the the complete architect for. I was like probably the product manager or the engineering manager. I did a lot. I did some of the work. I did some of the artwork on them. Um, I, are, you know, I basically brought all the pieces together. I'm the one that actually submitted it to the app store. I got paid for it, you know? So all of those things, does that make me a software developer? And now I'm actually, my title now is, is engineering manager. And as a Canadian, you know, I, I feel, I, I feel awkward about saying software engineer, you know? Um, but, um, especially somebody from Ontario, you know, it, it's interesting that that at what point do you become a, a, a software engine developer? And I thought I was a software developer all along, and it wasn't until I started interviewing for jobs. You know, when when we had that, you know, the uh, the indie apocalypse, we called it, when you know when the app store, everybody on the every app on the app store had to be free, and nobody could make money off it anymore. Um, that's when we a lot of us decided to go look for work, right? And this is what I have been doing for the last five years or so. So I figured I would go and give it a shot. And and when when can you call yourself a software engineer? I guess is the answer that people want to know. Like, I see this on conversations about this on on with people on Slacks and Twitters. You know, um, how do I like what what is the path to become a software engineer? Or what is it? What's the path to become an iOS engineer? It's a challenging question, right? And I think you know if, if you can if if you've made an app and and you're happy to put it out there, away you go, right? I mean, same as when I was a web engineer, web developer. Um, I just thought it was cool. I thought it was magical to make a website and that people could from around the world could, could look at. I had a hockey pool and, you know, I was scraping data off of, of uh, sports sites to get the date, the statistics and then putting into my SQL. To me, that was magic. And that's what, that's the part of why I do what I want to do that makes me want to do this thing right so my i come at it maybe from an artist's point of view that it's just these are just tools and brushes and they just take a different shape right yeah yeah i mean you know some people could say you can call yourself a software developer when you can make money enough money to live 
Yeah. But uh, others will say it's well, if you've developed an app, you're a software developer. I always feel embarrassed. I, I you know, I, I still wouldn't say that I was, um, you know, I like to think that, that I could at least qualify now for some sort of a, a junior job. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh, I'm a fast learner though. So, you know, I think that, that anything that I could grow into, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a question that I ask myself, you know, I'm always embarrassed. I never, I would never say that I am, you know, I tell people what I do, but uh, I would never say that as a software developer. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, uh, I haven't actually painted a painting in probably 20 years or so or more. And, but I still think of myself as a painter and a sculptor because that's what I, you know, and now I'm sculpting in 3d and stuff like that, but, but it's, it's the same same muscle is being used in creating iOS apps in my head that, that, you know, lets me put art on, or paint on a painting. Um, and so the other, the other article you wrote was, can you call yourself a YouTube YouTuber? I yeah. guess, right? YouTuber. You yeah. YouTuber. Yeah. Yeah. What do the kids say these days? But yeah, so, YouTuber. so how do you, what, what, what criteria does, does that make for you? Are you, I mean, I guess let's be blunt. Are you making a living off of oh. YouTubing? <laughs> no. How, how can you make a living off of YouTube? You know, uh, well, I know. I mean, I've got, what have I got? 12, 13,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, you know, my most recent video, I got about in the first three days, about 1,200 views or 12, yeah, 1,200 views, you know, $5 in revenue, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. So, wow. you know, I get, I get about 32,000 views a month on my, on my videos. That doesn't amount to you know, lot, it's yeah. pizza money, you know, for yeah, yeah. On that. So I don't do it for the money. The, I'm fortunate though, because I've got uh, a pension, you know, I, everything's okay. I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not in it for the money. So it's basically, you know, when you start out and you look at people like um, Chris Ching, who's got 500,000 subscribers, 500,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. Paul Hudson is, is approaching his 100,000 subscriber. Um, Sean Allen's got, I guess he's over a hundred thousand other people are that, you know, so I look at the people that I've, I watched and I learned from Sure. and thinking, okay, when can I say that I am sort of at that particular level? Well, I'll never be at those levels, but you know, I'm approaching a level at which I'm getting enough recognition, I suppose, from people that um, I'm providing content that's worth watching and, and sort of the message is getting out there. So, no. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if there's a tipping point. I mean, because I, I remember when when Sean Allen first started. Because I started watching his videos, he was just he wasn't even an iOS engineer or developer at that point. He was saying, "I'm going to put, I'm going to learn how to be a, a developer, and I'm going to make these videos at the same time." And and so his first couple of years, if you watch his videos, are all about you know things he'd been learning as an engineer. And then and now, yeah, like he's completely different. I mean, I th- I think Tammy and I interviewed him about three years ago, I guess, and uh, and he was just at you know he hadn't kind of hit that that mark yet but yeah now you now he's a name people know and same thing with ray i mean ray was ray wonderlick uh he was just a guy who had a blog and he put up a couple of couple of articles on how to write ios apps and then slowly he built a team and then next thing he knows like he and his wife are like do we do do we do this full time or what do we do right yeah and they just rebranded you know recently because and that's part of it because you know it's it's not a single guy it's it's been for a long i mean i joined them in 2014 and they were about 125 authors altogether you know and they had i think they had 10 employees at the time and and yeah now now it's like a it's i've watched that company kind of grow as well right over time so 
Yeah, I think I, I think you kind of reach the you reach a tipping point like where you like we I have another podcast called Spotcast and we just we're just floundering along. We're like maybe 60, 70 listens per episode kind of thing. Um and it it kind of it kind of peaks and it kind of slowly grows. But when we started more than just code, it was the same sort of thing. We were first couple of years, it was just very much three guys in a room just talking to each other about iOS. And and uh, now um, I'm constantly surprised when I stumble across a website that says, here are the 10 podcasts you need to listen to, and yeah. we're in there somewhere. Yeah. Know, well, I mean... I'm not making mentioned... any money off this either, so... <laughs> no, I, I know. But I mean, when you mentioned one of my videos and um, Daniel... You know, he knew who I was, and and Yordi Yordi Bruin was on another uh, launch podcast, and yeah, I loved what he said. He 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 sort of thinks of me as his his old math teacher because that's where <laughs> he would learn concept from from me. Right. So yeah. you know, that's confirmation that that I must be doing something right. right. Yeah, and so you know, the the key for me right now is trying to find out well, you know, what what does my channel represent to people? You know, what, where, where do I fit within this niche of people who are creating videos mm -hmm. on, on YouTube? And, and, and that's what I'm struggling with right now is like, what, what does my content look like? Where do I go from now? I've got, um, let, let me, let me, let me, let me give you, I think, I think the idea of you're my favorite math teacher is a great concept because, you know, I went to a high school in Toronto and um, every single person that I know that studied art at this particular school studied under a man named Mr. Samatoka. And he, uh, he had an arrangement with us and he would say at the beginning of the year, you can, you, you can do studio art for half the year and you can do art history for half the year and he insisted on the art history part of it and we got to choose whether we wanted to do studio first or art history and you know we would so one or the other we would pick one or the other and he had amassed a set of like you and i he had amassed um a set of slides that he compiled out of books and going to places and, and he had this amazing library of art history and um Every single student to a, to a T will say the same thing. I learned so much from that guy that he changed my life. And I think that's, for me, that's the reason I do what I do is, 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 uh, I, and I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on a, on a show. I, I saw a talk by a friend of mine named Ryan Nystrom, who you may have seen. He's the IG list guy, IG something like he worked for Facebook for a while and he wrote this, this open source tool that everybody uses now, but he had done a talk at Rayburn like about inspiring other people. And he said, you know, you may th like in this, this counters anybody who's watching this show's uh, soft or um, imposter syndrome is you may only, you may know one thing that somebody else doesn't know. And by sharing that information with them, you can actually make their day, their life better. Right. Even though it's just one thing that you know better or more efficiently than they do. Right. So so by being out here and being everybody's favorite math teacher, <laughs> you know, I think over time you'll have a, you'll have a great influence. Right. So and I and I get that from your voice. I mean, like I listen to your I listen to your your videos. I mean, um, you know, you have a distinct style, I think. Right. Like you're, you're like definitely know I'm watching one of your videos when I'm when I'm watching one, right? As opposed to Paul Hudson's or or something from the Ray Wernick group, right? So because I think just keep doing what you're doing. I think you're really inspiring people. Well, I appreciate that. It's there isn't one style for everybody, and sure. um, and, and and we all learn from get bits of pieces from everybody else, right? It's just uh, yeah, you know how how can I spread the word? Because I think I do have content that is worthwhile, not necessarily for the the beginner. So, you know, it's, and, but 
I don't know. Some people learn more from, I mean, I learn more now from reading than I do from watching other people's videos, but sure. uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's an ongoing thing and, and uh, coming up with topics hasn't been all that difficult, but recently I've sort of been struggling a bit with, you know, what, what am I going to do next? And, uh, you know, and uh, because the topics are getting deeper and deeper and I'm spending more and more time sort of researching them so that I can, and I have, and it's like I craft a story almost. I mean, it may not seem like it, but, but there's a beginning and an end and I've got to find the right examples that are going to take me into the next and, and sort of this whole flow. So I can't sit down like some people do and like uh, Muhammad Asim, you know, Asim Sharp. I mean, he, he records and bangs off a video in the morning before he does his, uh, his real job in the work, you know. And I don't know how people do that. Uh, I just can't. So I, I really do have to plan and, and uh, you know, go through it in, in much more detail. So that's just how my videos are done. Here's hoping Apple introduces some new concepts for you to, to write some videos about in a couple of months. That was great last year. <laughs> I got 17 videos out of oh, the last one. So, yeah, yeah. It's, Right through, yeah, right from August, right through till December, I was doing videos. Because I only do one a week, but uh, but but that that's that's enough because it's uh, time consuming for sure. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I even producing this show, it, it does add up in terms of time, and and I've gotten you know to the point where it's it's I'm pretty good at it, but uh, you know, and then I tweak things as I go, and they get better hopefully over time. But yeah keep going on it. So I have this part of the show where I, where I like to sort of turn the tables and just sort of throw some random questions at you, uh, based on Marcel Proust and a couple of, and Stephen Colbert's uh, questionnaire. So if okay, you're open great. to it, I can, uh, just sure. throw some random questions at you and hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about you, but we'll start with the one I always start with, which, which is what's your motto? What's my motto? Oh, brother. Like, what's, what's the new, you, the unique reason why people come to you? What, what's your, what do you have to achieve? Oh, I should have prepped for this. No, you can't study for this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's probably more more than anything. It's just uh, be kind, and, and in that I mean, if somebody asks me a question, don't dismiss them. You know, don't sure. be judgmental. So, yeah, cool. All right. Um, who are your favorite writers? One of my favorite writers is is uh, I, I, I like sort of the detective novels. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I love the the Swedish. And the Scandinavian genre, so like Joe Nesbo and those kinds of things. But I really like Robert Galbraith oh. because the Cormor and Strike novels are some of my favorite novels uh, that, I've, cool. that I read. So, Oh, well, and that, let's follow up with who's your favorite hero of fiction? Oh, I, right now, I think it's Cormor and Strike. What's the scariest animal? Spiders. Spiders? Okay. Yeah. What's the best sandwich? Oh, grilled cheese on sourdough. Grilled ham and cheese on sourdough. I mean, I have, this is what I have almost every single day. Really? Yeah. 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 And do you, do you dip it in ketchup or just straight nope. up grilled cheese? Yeah. Straight okay. up. Yeah. Have you ever asked anybody for their autograph? Uh, yeah, I have actually. When I was um, in, in the seventies, I traveled around um, Europe with a friend and we ended up, uh, we were traveling between um Hamburg and Copenhagen and got on a, uh, on a, on a ferry, ended up meeting a rock promoter who was promoting a number of groups that were traveling around at the time. Mm-hmm. So we ended up, um, in Copenhagen, working in Copenhagen, doing light shows, um, for, for different bands, uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer and nice. the band. So we ended up after a show doing all that. So I was able to collect a number of, of autographs from them. And then, um, what really got, got me going was when, when we, left when they 
when they finished the, the, in Copenhagen, they were heading towards Germany. And this is 1971, by the way. Mm. Chicago, the group Chicago was just, they just had been Chicago Transit Authority and then they changed right. their name to Chicago and were traveling around. They were going to be in Germany. So I played in the band um, and the guy that I traveled with, the other two guys I traveled with were in, in our band. So I played horn, I played sax. One guy played bass and the other guy was a drummer. So we heard that Chicago was going to be in Munich. So we drove our car, ended up going to Munich, finding the hall. And as we got into the hall there, the, the roadies for Chicago were, were having their tearing their hair out because it just wasn't set up properly. And they, mm -hmm. they said out loud, because we, we had sort of snuck in through the gates and into the, the side door because we figured we could hide in a washroom until the concert started or something like that. <laughs> And, uh, and, and so they ended up, um, you know, sort of saying, you know, doesn't anybody understand what we want? So we says, well, we do. So we ended mm -hmm. up doing set up for Chicago and that show. And then they asked us to join the, uh, the, the, the road team to nice. travel with Chicago throughout Germany. So anyway, uh, long story, those are the autographs that I, I had to ask people for when I was sort of in that, uh, roadie kind of, uh, cool. Genre. cool. Yeah. You know. That's that's a good story. What words or phrases do you overuse the most? Um, um. <laughs> I try not to use. I try not to use a. Yeah, that's an Eastern thing. Yeah. Um, like but, you uh, mean like can the Canadian a? Yeah, I, and you know that that really bothers me when I meet somebody and they're American or whatever. The first thing they say is, "How's it going, a?" Yeah, and I says, "We don't in Vancouver. We don't really say that. It's you know we're more." California. But uh, I don't know if I have any anything that I say over and over again. It's uh, something that I try to avoid. Mm. Well, I can tell you from having lived in Ontario living and living in Vancouver, uh, they are it's a very different part of the country. Like oh, it, it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 For sure. What's the one thing you own that you should really throw out? Yeah, right now my skis. <laughs> okay. What's the most used app on your phone? Well, probably Overcast. Overcast, yeah. You don't yeah, want to check, you don't I, want to check the, uh, the the time on your phone. Your phone there, and where do I find that under? It's under general screen time. Oh no, screen time. Yeah, screen time. Yeah, yeah. It's overcast. I do a lot of walking, and yeah. uh, you know, and, and so that you know that's that takes up a couple hours a day. Listen yeah. to listen to podcasts. Yeah, podcasts to... and audible books too. Audio books too is for me. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's ask you a fun one. Well, I can ask you this one: Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Trek, but yeah, the original Star Trek. Okay, the original TOS. Yeah, yeah. What living person do you admire the most? Probably my wife. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All yeah, right. she's cool. the you know she she to live with me. She has to be good. <laughs> yeah, to put up with me. Where would you most like to live? Oh, Hawaii. Hawaii. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice there, yeah. That's, which which island uh, though? Now Maui in Maui. I, I, that's where I go every year. So I used to spend a lot of time in in Oahu. Yeah, uh, but but now it's it's Maui. Yeah, I only went to Hawaii once, and then we went to Maui for about ten days, and then we went to Kauai, and yeah, it was yeah. a completely different experience. Maui is really nice. Oh, in Maui, everything everybody goes to bed at eight o'clock, <laughs> and you're you're up at six, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, you just enjoy the the surf and well, Maui's where they yeah. have the roosters too, or or they all through. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it only all Maui or streets. is it the whole place? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I've only been to Maui and, and Oahu, so but roosters are definitely big. Yeah, yeah. Apparently there was some, there was some ship or something that capsized, and that's how they ended no? up going feral. Is that right? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Window or aisle? Oh, aisle. <laughs> okay. I have to. I'm six foot four. I need to oh, get my really? foot out in the aisle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that annoys yeah. when when they go by with the cart. That's the part I don't like about the aisle. Um, if you only had to listen to one song for the rest of your life, what is it? Lowdown by Boaz Skaggs. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that one. I, I kind of got tired of him, and then I saw him with the Boys of Summer. Did you ever hear about that group? It was Michael McDonald, Donald Fagan, oh. and Boss Gags, oh. yeah. Wow. And they did, like, each other's songs. He's really, he's a really amazing musician. Like, even when he was just playing with the other guys, playing their their stuff, I, you know, because he was that, he had that one hit in this, in this, uh, he had Lowdown hit, right? And, yeah, well, yeah, he, he's had lots of stuff. He, I was a big fan. He's just going on tour again, by the way. So, uh, cool. yeah, he's been around. And, but Steely Dan, Donald Fagan, I mean, those, that's yeah. good stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, I got to see them a few times before yeah. or passed away, Walter passed away. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite action movie? Yeah, uh, probably Batman. Which one? You know, Batman Returns. Batman Returns. But I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a huge Batman or not a huge action movie fan. Which so, which Batman is the Batman Returns one? Who's which Batman? I think is that? that's that was the one with um. Oh oh oh, uh, the new one, the newer Christian, guy. Yeah. No no, Christian Bale. Christian yeah, Bale, Christian Bale. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. the new the new one with Robert Pattinson? No, no, no. it's actually pretty no. good. Describe the rest of your life in five words. Yeah, survival. I mean, there's not that many years left, right? So it's just <laughs> make the most out of what time I've got left. Okay, cool. That's, you you yeah. know that Al Jaffe just passed away, and he was 102. Oh, really? 102. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I do think about this a lot because, um, you know, I, I, I'm 72 in, in another week, right? So yeah. that's, uh, that's yeah. getting up there. Yeah. And um, if I look back 20 years, that's as clear as a bell. I can remember exactly what I was doing 20 years ago. That, mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was, I think, I, yeah, I mean, I was still working at the time, but um, projecting 20 years into the future, you know, maybe, maybe not, right? 92, am I still going to be around? So it's just a matter of just staying busy, keeping busy, keeping my mind sharp and just sure yeah. doing what I do and trying to hit as many sunspots as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was in a coaching program at one point and, uh, they asked us to, to say, what is the, what year are you going to die? Right. You had to sort of put, mm. put a number. And I had a horoscope done when I was like, you know, a kid, my, my father was big into, he's Indian. So he's big into horoscopes and 72 was my number. Right. Yeah. And this coaching program, um, was all about, you know, um, learning to, do the work you love to do to get paid for the work that you love to do to, you know, take care of yourself, to be healthy. And you learned all these sort of life skills about how to make your life as an entrepreneur better, you know, how to, you know, how to get, how to build up a company, you know, how to take care of yourself, how to be healthy. And then the question they gave us after learning a bunch of these things was now how old are you going to be when you die? Because yeah. you, why would you die at 72, right? Like why, yeah, why do you have yeah. to draw that line in the sand and, and drive yourself to that point? You know, I'm I'm always amazed, like like how long people live. I mean, like of course, like you, I've got friends, and you know, my father died two years older than I am now. So, yeah, yeah. but he was, you know, he's a lifetime smoker and all right. that kind of Same stuff. Same as mine, right? yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, right now though, it, time is really important to me, and sure. um, we're we're hoping to go to um, to Europe this fall. Mm -hmm. But my wife's passport expired, and she oh, no. had just sent her passport in for renewal. And now with this strike that's on in Canada, 
who knows what the status is going to be. I can't book a trip until I get her passport. Wow. And I'm thinking, God, I can't, you know, there's only certain times of the year I want to go to Europe. I don't want to lose another year because we've lost three years due to COVID. Right. You know, now, you know, what do we do? So people, young people don't think about that, but to me, it's important, you know, there's yeah. only so much time left. No, you know, I, you're right. I'm at the, I'm at the age now where, where obviously I'm starting to think about that too, because my sister who's a year younger than me started talking about retirement two years ago. I'm like, what? I hadn't even thought about that. Like, I don't think I'm going to retire if I, if I yeah. have a choice. I mean, I retire from the current job I'm at maybe, but yeah, I'm going to go work at the Apple store or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, part time. Well, and or... this is why, this is why I do what I do. I mean, yeah. I just can't imagine what I would do if, if I wasn't putting out videos Sure. You know, when I, when I got let go from, um, from open text, I was doing consulting and sure. yeah. doing training and, and all this kind of stuff, because there was a gap there, there was still a need. So when this came along to do YouTube videos, this is what keeps me going. This is what keeps me busy. You know, I don't have to worry about getting a job and I'm financially secure. So everything is good that way, but I do like vacations. Cool. Well, I think we're going to wrap up. So if people want to get in touch with you, find out where you're, follow you, how, what are they, what are your, what's your 411? How will they find you? Yeah. I mean, everything is basically uh, on social media is, is Stuart Lynch. This is mm -hmm. my full name. So Twitter, Massaton at iosdev.space, I guess is what it is. <laughs> and I have a, a website, this Createx Solutions that uh, I have, but my YouTube channel, if you just go to my YouTube channel, all my links are on any one of my videos. So sure. that's cool. probably the best place to find me. But I'm certainly open to DMs and, and emails and just love to communicate with people. And one day I hope to get a conference, go to a conference and meet people for real. Have you ever thought about putting a talk in? I've submitted a talk. I submitted a couple, got rejected on one. So yeah. I've submitted for, for Swift Leads. Who knows mm -hmm. if that's going to come uh, Did or not. Did you try Swift TO as well in Toronto? I didn't. Um and I probably should have, but uh, maybe next year if yeah. I'm still around. <laughs> well, I can tell you, Jaime, uh, he puts in talk. He puts in he like 10, 20. He puts in a ton yeah. and he maybe gets one. So Yeah, I know. It's yeah. just a, a crapshoot. I mean, <laughs> and everybody, and, and my talk probably wouldn't be technical. It would be more philosophical, uh, mm. just on. Yeah. You know, being old and, and coding and, and keeping active and being <laughs> well, relevant, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking, I think we need to have a gray, gray beard uh, club, not, not just not to exclude the ladies, but yeah, we'll have a yeah. older coder club. I'm thinking because yeah. I'm running into a lot of people like myself who have the same challenges that I do. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Before just, I mean, I know that it's getting on time wise, but there are a lot of retired people in their fifties, mm sixties -hmm. that mm -hmm. are just starting to code. Yeah. And that those are the people that are reaching out me to me more than anybody else. Wow. So okay. all of the people, just about everyone that I've been mentoring over the last few years, they've all been 50, 60 plus, and they're doing it because they need something to do. They've always sort of wanted to, they've had this idea. And uh, I think that's great. You know, it's a great way to stay active and to, to keep your mind uh, sharp. Yeah, I was actually oh. thinking of maybe writing a book for for older folks who were just getting into this game, right? You know, like I was yeah. fifty when I started iOS. I mean, I was doing coding before that, but yeah, yeah, I, di I didn't even think about my age when I started. I just just started yeah. doing it, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, figure. Yeah. All right, well, my name is Tim Mitra, T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine, the Mastodon, all those kind of things is where you'll find me. And so, until next time, see you later. And that's it. Thanks, Tim. Oh, I forgot Thanks. to say, hey, if you're listening on YouTube. 
click over here hit the subscribe button (laughs) (laughs) yeah this has been another episode of the more than just code podcast if you want to find out more about the show you can visit the more than just code website at mtjc.fireside.fm There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. weather back in toronto right now it's actually cold today oh Um, god it's it's ugly here like raining just ugly yeah like it was like freezing rain this afternoon i can't and it's gonna be you know next weekend's gonna be 24 but you just can't figure out this weather these days huh yeah no i know it's 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 completely unreasonable i mean we we've uh last week we were i mean it was almost i think 20 got up to 22 degrees you know which is quite warm right um not yeah no i think I, I rode a bike home and i was actually yeah i was actually sweating on the way home which is strange i felt like it's kind of like that's well i lived in vancouver for eight months and and i remember riding my bike in fe- in february going i'm riding my bike in february that was like so strange yeah. for somebody from ontario right? yeah yeah well <laughs> but you get rain i mean yeah. i love vancouver but i, I got to get out of here twice a year and go somewhere warm every right. winter i go somewhere in january and somewhere in april or march you know just to get away yeah i so. um yeah, I mean, I, I gotta say that's the one thing I, I liked. I liked Vancouver, like from the point of view of like you know nice weather. But I mean, I like rain, and I mean, I I went into Vancouver liking rain, and but I gotta say, like the sky is always kind of gray. I, mind you, I wasn't, I was never there in in July and August, which I hear are like the fabulous months, right? To be September is actually, I think, the best month. Yeah. 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 yeah it's fabulous, but July and August, yeah, it, it depends on when the summer starts, but. Yeah. Yeah. We we get three or four good months. Yeah. I mean, like I lived in Richmond and no, I worked in Richmond and I lived in Surrey and um, we used to go to like, you know, Stanley Park and ride our bikes around and that kind of stuff. It was, yeah. it was lots of fun. Yeah. Like, uh, but, but I was, I moved in October, the very, like, uh, yeah, I think it was like the end of October and it was like horrible weather driving through Canada to get to get to Vancouver and then all through that year. And then I left in April. So, I mean, I didn't get to experience the best of uh, best of BC from what I hear anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, life moved on and I had to go yeah. with it. Or, yeah. Do you listen yeah. to our show at all or? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. It's one of my cool. ones that, that I queue up and, and listen to. So nice. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. I just listened to the Sean Allen one. But no, that was, no, that wasn't you. See, I mix them all up. <laughs> it was Daniel was the last one that you had. Yes, right. Daniel Seinberg, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, and and you know, I and I sort of switch between uh iOS podcasts, a lot of CBC yeah. podcasts. Uh, Spark. Or, I listen to Spark and yeah, Persuasion yeah. and yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and we listen to a lot of CBC on, on the radio here. The wife's yeah. always got the radio on. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, so let me ask you a question. When you ask Siri to play CBC, do you have to specify Vancouver? Because we have to say, you know, hey, followed by the word Siri, play CBC Radio 1 Toronto. Otherwise, she plays Ottawa. I don't, don't ever ask Siri to play uh, CBC. No? We, yeah, but we actually have a real radio. that. Oh, we, radio. Wow. It, is that like with buttons and dials and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just, it's, it, my wife is, is technically challenged. Oh, yeah. So sit, we've got a radio in the kitchen that's always on. If my wife walks into any room mm-hmm. where there's a radio, mm-hmm. she'll turn the radio on, and the only station she listens to is CPC. Yeah, yeah, you know. So the, uh, we use Siri for for listening to music. Uh, you know, we'll just tell it to play Apple music. We've got some Echoes as well, so we can do that. We have Sirius, so we can listen to whatever we want on Sirius satellite. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I have, uh, because I've been, you know, my wife's, my wife's phone is one of my test phones, right? Like, like that's sort of been the experience for her for the last 12 years. So, um, you know, we both have Macs and iPads and, and watches and phones. And yeah, she started out like not being, you know, like not being very tech savvy either. Uh, although she, I mean, she's always been technical. That's actually her SE30 behind me, right? From back in the 80s, right? So we've both been oh, around yeah. computers long enough, right? Um, but we... Uh, we switched over to using HomePods and Amazon. We have an Amazon Echo or two. We have a Google Home, a couple of Google Homes as well. So we use whatever room we're in. You know, we'll just tell it to to throw on the CBC and listen to it on TuneIn. Okay, but yeah. So and you know we're now we're now unlocking our front door with our with our watches and yeah, all good stuff, well, I, right? Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've got that too, and I, but I've got a it's a shortcut that I made on my phone. Yeah. To unlock and lock the door. Yeah, yeah, we we'll do that too, yeah. Yeah, well, the trouble is if, if it's on your home screen, you can accidentally tap that button mm. and it might open or close the door. So I've been away on vacation Yep. and somehow accidentally opened the door. I come home from vacation and my door is wide. It's not open, but it's unlocked, unlocked yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, no, I yeah, did the same thing. I went to that. Ireland, I think Ireland or Portugal last year. And, and uh, it was like Wednesday. We left on a Sunday. And I, on Wednesday, I looked at my, I went to check my app um, cause I, and I think it's my door lock at the time was, yeah, it was an August lock. It was no longer, but, but I looked at the thing and I, oh my God, I forgot to lock the door. <laughs> so thankfully I was yeah. able to lock it from yeah. Portugal, you know, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> yeah. And my car, yeah, I have a Ford so I can start and stop and open the door of my, of my car oh, for cool. my phone too. So it's cool. Yeah, no, we, we have yeah. the old, I still use a key for my car, but <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause my yeah. fob died years ago. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't even know if my key, I don't know, there is no key for my car. It'll take my, it'll it just, like it just push, opens when I walk. Push ignition kind of thing? Yeah, it's or? got, yeah, yeah, push ignition, right. And yeah, you, you just walk up to the car and it unlocks, so it's a fob, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. but there, there's no physical key as far as I know. How do you open to get the into it? Or get, what about when you, is there, oh, it's a valet, is there have a valet mode or? Yeah, that's good. I don't know, I never use valet parking. <laughs> I, I hardly drive anymore. My my yeah. wife's got a, a, a an EV. Oh yeah. So it just makes much more sense to go in her yeah. car everywhere, right? Which it's, one do you have? Which one does she have? You've got the Bolt. Same as what oh, Daniel yeah. has, the Chevy Bolt. It's a great oh, car. Yeah. yeah, it's great. So Yeah, uh, yeah, I was looking at that one too cuz it actually has buttons on the radio, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My wife loves she loves analog kinds of things for sure. No, I, you know, I'm tactile. telling you. 
I, I, I shudder to think about all the people who have touch screens in their device, in their, their cars, because, you know, how many phone screens have you gone through? How many, like they just, they just stop working after a while. Right. So yeah, yeah. the touch yeah. died, I'm, I'm like camera on my computer here is, is an iPhone 10 and the, the screen touch yeah. stopped working, I had to get yeah. that replaced. And it's, it's a known defect in the iPhone 10 and iPhone 11. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, re I restored my original iPads recently. I had to, you know, because I, I partly because I wanted to be able to look at my old apps, right? Because they they won't run on the new devices anymore, and they're not in the store anymore. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, this technology just doesn't last. Not like you know, I have a two. My car is a two thousand four Honda CRV, right? And the okay. one before that yeah. was a ninety seven. Our next car will be an EV. Yeah. And when I was looking at the, I went to the car show with my grandson. Um, in a few months ago here in Toronto. And yeah, the Bolt was the one that came to the top of my list in terms of which yeah. car I would go with. Well, I'm looking, I've got my name on the list for a couple of um, plug-in hybrids for mm -hmm. myself. Uh, we used to have a home in Kelowna in the interior of British Columbia. Oh, so yeah. Two hours, four hours away, four hours away. Mm -hmm. And so driving back and forth. So we still go back up and back and forth all the time up there. And you get this range anxiety when you go with an yeah. EV. Yeah, and so we've done that uh, once, and the rest of the time we take my car. So I want to be able to take longer trips. So a plug-in hybrid makes sense because if I drive around the city, I seldom am ever out for more than forty or fifty k, which is what you get on a plug-in hybrid on mm. on the charge. Right. So I will use very very little gas, but I still have that if I want to go for a longer drive, right? And, right. Yeah, and yeah. have gas. So I'm looking at the Kia Nero. And the the Ford Escape plug-in hybrid. Yeah, my son, my stepson has a Rav Four, I think, and because he yeah. he he bought our cottage from us, and it's like two okay. hours away, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, same. I think same sort of thing. In the city, they use the EV part, but when they're driving, they use the, actually. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a plug-in hybrid. Yeah, so he puts you put gas in it for the for the long hauls, yeah. right? So yeah, no, yeah, exactly yeah. right. I was the same thing when I had the cottage. It was like. I don't think I'll ever own an EV. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want to be stuck. Yeah. Well, I've been yeah, I've run out of gas on the way home. Like even on the, on long weekends when they they close up the you know after after May between May twenty fourth and Labor Day, the gas stations are open late. But after that, like it's you know the mm -hmm. all the you know the summer cottagers go home and the gas stations close at six p.m. on Sunday. So you better have a full tank before you try and head home, yeah. right? <laughs> Well, if, if my wife uh, sees our uh, gas tank below half, she starts to panic. So I'm right. always making sure that it's it's pretty close to full anytime mm. she gets in it. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're down to one car because I I I live in the city, so I take the streetcar, ride a bike to work, kind of thing when I go into the office. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. We we were at one car for for quite a while, and then um, my wife um, one day I was out and she was thoroughly ticked off because she wanted to go out and I had the car. So the next day she goes out and buys a car. Nice. You know, sort of, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, power to her. Yeah. 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 Sure. yeah. You got your independence. I, 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 we, we downsized from our home and moved to central part of North Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So I walk everywhere. Right. And I even, you know, I take public transportation to go into Vancouver city. I don't want to drive into the city. Yeah. And we ride bikes and we've recently just got e-bikes. Uh, a year or so ago, that his so is it Lionsgate Bridge you would cross to go into the city, kind of thing. Either Lionsgate or first or second arrow. It's called the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge. 
right. either of those. I, we do, you know, do loops around those those bridges and through mm-hmm. the city. So yeah. it, we we get on our bikes all the time. It's that's the nice thing about Vancouver is you can be biking at any yeah. time of the year, basically, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 No, I, I I really enjoyed that. The only the only hassle about like for those of you driving at home, the only hassle about Vancouver is it's it's bridges everywhere. <laughs> You know, like the main yeah. the main part of the island, and then if you want to go to the airport, you got to go a bridge. If you want to go to Richmond, you have to go on a bridge. You know, yeah. if you want to go to Surrey, you have to go across a bridge. North Vancouver is two bridges, as you said, right? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's no freeway through the city. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it stops when you get to. Where does the Trans Canada end in Vancouver? Right. It, well, right. It 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 basically there is a the Trans Canada Highway turns into what's called the upper levels goes right almost by my place, it goes out to Horseshoe Bay, which is, right. that that's sort of the terminus, right? Mm-hmm. But it really doesn't pick up to be a freeway until you get to the, between Vancouver and Burnaby. Basically, that's where the freeway starts. Right. Yeah. So there is no, there is no freeway running through the city, as you see in most, most cities. Yeah. But, so uh, how, to, and when people want to go to the airport, can they take the, the what do you call that? L- the Skytrain? Skytrain, yeah. Yeah. I, I, Skytrain, I, or... I take, uh, I, I can walk to the C bus, which is the mm-hmm. instead of taking a bridge across, I can take the C bus across to oh, the, Vancouver, across Juan yeah. de Fuca Strait or whatever, <laughs> uh, Georgia Strait. Georgia Strait, yeah, okay, yeah, oh yeah, and so yeah, I just take a C bus. It's just a regular transit fee, and then mm-hmm. right there, I can take the uh, Sky Train that'll take me directly to the airport. So How I never often have to does park the bus the cross the the Strait there? Every ten minutes. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, oh. ten minutes during. Um, Key times, fifteen minutes in the in between times, and half an hour in the in the off hours. That's not seven bad. days a week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's great, and it's huge. It's you know you never have to worry about it. It's comfortable, hmm. and the sky trains run every two or three minutes. You know, right. back and forth around. So yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's a good transportation system for sure. Yeah, back at I, yeah. I don't know if you were there in Expo eighty six, but I actually did the banners for Expo eighty six. Oh, did you? Yeah, Expo is what changed Vancouver. Yeah, that's when they put the SkyTrain in, right? Yeah. They put the SkyTrain in. They changed the liquor laws so that you could now drink liquor on a Sunday. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Restaurants could serve liquor. Oh, wow. uh, you know, there was no, um, the stores were closed on Sundays. Right. All of that changed in 86 when Expo came in. And hmm. Vancouver's never looked back. I mean, it's now known for their variety of restaurants and the uh, and, and things. So it's a real metro- metropolitan city now. You know, it never used to be back in the day, but uh, Vancouver is a great city to be in, you know? Yeah. No, I used to, I used to travel around quite a bit when I was like on weekends, you know, cause I was working, like I said, I was, I was there by myself. My wife stayed here in, in Ontario. She had, she was hanging on by, you know, her dying nails here. Like, you know, it, it took a while to, to get her to agree to move out there. But um, yeah, so I would spend the weekends riding my bike around and, you know, Newton and around Richmond and all Surrey and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, go up to West. What year was this? Would have been 96. Okay. Yeah, yeah. a long time ago. So yeah. Have you back not been day. back since? I have actually no. I've only uh, only only the fly. Like we went to we we went when we went to Hawaii. We flew through Vancouver, so we had a layover. Oh, okay. So we got out and checked out the cherry blossoms. It was April. So oh yeah, yeah. Cherry it's, it's cherry blossom season right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so it's beautiful. Yeah. Last year, two years ago, two years ago, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Paul Hudson was here last week, the week before, and I think it rained every single day. He was here. <laughs> I felt so, I felt so guilty. Yeah. So he he messaged me and said. Uh, I'm thinking of, we're thinking of renting a car 
because yeah. the weather is so bad. Uh, yeah. Where, where do you, where you go? So they went up to Worcester, but oh, I had to yeah. check first to see whether or not he needed snow tires. And, you know, I guess he, he was successful because there's pictures of him up in the mountains uh, up at Worcester. But, uh, hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's been an ugly, ugly spring it really has, but then that's not necessarily unusual, but it's, uh, it's been cold and, and ugly. Yeah. Well, like when, I said, we had that weird sort of middle midsummer and now we're back into hopefully, hopefully we've seen the rest of worst of it because yeah. the buds are coming out now on the trees and, you know, the yeah, tulips are coming yeah. up and daffodils are all full bloom. So yeah. hopefully well, I had to uh, get away to Palm Springs last month just for a week, just to <laughs> dry out, you know? Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. So what, what about WWC? Would you head down to, to, I don't think so. I didn't get a ticket. It certainly, if I got a ticket, I would have gone. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a long way to go, uh, for the limit. I mean, you know, for, for what, right. To, to network with people. I think I'd rather do that at a, at a real conference. So if mm-hmm. there was, as there used to be at WWC, those side conferences, right. It would yeah, make it much more sense yeah. to go down and yeah. conference and, and spend it. But to go down there, you know, to to chit chat and you know, it's a bit of a crapshoot. So no, I don't think I'm going down this year. Yeah, and we don't have uh, we don't have 360 iDev in uh, Denver anymore. They've packed no. up their tent, so yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, yeah so... I, I I probably should have gone to um, the the Chicago one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that deep though. dish Swift. Yeah, they're sold out. Though. Uh, I'm on the waiting list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Uh, yeah. It's closer for you. I mean, everywhere else is it's a long way for me to go, right? I That's mean, true. Yeah, Europe's got so many. You know, there's just so much happening over over in Europe. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you've also got you've also got you can go to the other side too. You can go to Japan and and uh, conferences out there too. Yeah, there's a few out that yeah. way too. Yeah, I suppose so. It's just so damn expensive to travel these days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially between Vancouver and the rest of Canada for yeah. some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, go, never, and drive down. Never there. figure that out. It's cheaper to go yeah, to the states down to Seattle. And, yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, it's not great. So cool. Yeah. Well, great chatting with you. Yeah, I appreciate and, uh, the the opportunity. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.